What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is Elliot Marshall, a professional mixed martial artist and Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Coming through the Brazilian jiu-jitsu belt system, Elliot became the first American to earn IBJJF Pan American titles as a blue, purple, and brown belt. Elliot entered the world of mixed martial arts in 2006, signing with the UFC, the most prestigious MMA promotion in the world. In 2011, after a few ups and downs with his career, Marshall decided to hang up his gloves and open training centers across the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado, formerly named Easton Training Center, along with his coach, Amal Easton. It wasn't long before Marshall went on to further success as an entrepreneur, podcast host, and world-class speaker, trainer, and author. He teaches industry leaders, teams, and individuals how to outsmart, outlast, and outperform their competition and achieve record-breaking results. Today, Marshall applies the powerful leadership and teamwork skills he honed during his career to empower organizations like yours. Elliot, welcome to the show. Brandon, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. That bio is a lie. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> made it through, so we're, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, first question I want to ask is kind of when did fighting um, become part of your life? You know, was it you're one years old and you knock someone out? Close, close. close. Okay, so happened? when I was six years old, I saw the Karate Kid and I did a, you know, I, I like did the crane kick in the Karate Kid and I kicked a lamp and my parents, I was like, oh, I want to do karate. And my parents put me, you know, we opened the yellow pages for those of you young people. Uh, they're, they're not, there didn't used to be this thing called the internet, right? And if you wanted to find someone's phone number, you had to go have a phone book. Now the white pages were for personal people, right? Like you and me and the yellow pages were for businesses. So you had to look up in the yellow pages and I saw in the yellow pages, this, you know, my karate teacher was throwing a kick in the air and I thought he was flying. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm six years old. It's like, he could fly. I want to go to that guy's school. And that's what did it. That's amazing. And so you get there six years old, mm -hmm. you instantly kind of like become obviously the star or were you just kind of part of the squad? And then over time you leaned into it more. What, what was that like? Okay. I'm going to use this word that I don't like that. That is, is it's the wrong word. You know, this word pussy, right? When you call somebody a pussy, like I was a pussy, but yeah. it's the wrong word because um, babies go through pussies and they make it. If you kick us in the testicles, we crawl, like we, we, we fall down like a little baby, right? Like, so it's, it's, it's a bad word, but that's what I was. I, I, I would cry. My mom would have to leave me there, you know, like run, like it was, it was a nightmare for my mom and my dad. They just forced me you know, cause I said I wanted to. So they made me do karate cause I, cause they paid and I said I wanted. And then I just, I fell in love, man. Uh, I fell in love. And, uh, there's this dichotomy of it's the only place that I ever got acceptance in the world all the way through like 18 years old. Got it. So initially not the most fun thing for you. Your parents held you accountable to it. Mm -hmm. Was there mm -hmm. a turning point where you were like, no, this yeah. actually makes sense. Yeah. I don't know when it was, but I, I fell in love with it. Like, I, I don't remember I was a little kid, you know, uh, I don't remember what did it. I, I have no clue. I, I can't remember what made me fall in love with karate. I mean, cause it was scary, right? The instructor used to carry around this bamboo stick and like, he would hit you with it. Even if, like, if you, it was one of those things where you did a good job, he hit you once. If you did a bad job, he hit you twice, you know, and I loved, you know, and this guy's, he was my first karate teacher. Right. And I was with him from the time I was six until the time I was 18 till I left. So, uh, like he was a very, very big part of my life. So it's not like, I don't like him. Like he's, a he's a massively influential person in my life. So, uh, it wasn't one of these things. Like I hated that guy, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, you know, to answer the question, I don't know the turning point. I just got good at it, I guess. And, and I, and I kept doing it and I got a job. It was my first job. Um, it was in, 
like I have a very interesting background and it was the first place that gave me love outside of my home. Got it. What do you, when you say interesting background, talk more about that. Uh, I'm a black Jew, you know, I'm a black Jew in 1980 and my parents, we lived in a town uh, where let's just say, you know, there's towns, like in those small little towns where like everyone knows who's going to be the quarterback because his dad was his big brother was and all of that. Well, that was my town. So, uh, and we just didn't fit in, you know, we just did not fit in. We were, uh, when I, when I, when we moved into this town, when I was eight years old, uh, the house was spray painted with swastikas and Niger's go home. And this just continued, uh, uh, throughout my childhood. And I had zero, I had no friends, right? I had no, literally one friend who I went to karate with, you know, and a couple, I had friends at karate, but none of them lived by me. You know, my next door neighbor across the street, he was my friend. Um, and outside of that, but he didn't go to my school either. So, um, it was pretty terrible. Yeah. So, but that was my existence, right? My home, uh, my parents were amazing. Nobody had better parents than me. I had an amazing set of grandparents on my mom's side um, they, and they were Jewish. So I, I, uh, I learned a lot about Holocaust survival because they were survivors of the Holocaust. Wow. Wait, where did you grow up? Like what state? South or... Jersey, a little town called Franklinville. Nobody's heard of it. I was like, not to like hate on Texas or something, but for some reason I had it like in the South in my mind. No, but you got to understand this is 1980. Right. This is 42 years ago. This isn't, you know, yeah. like the, the, like there was no, the town, when I moved there, there was no cable television. You had to get a satellite dish on your house because there's, because cable wasn't there and that's unheard of now because it was a bad neighborhood or because of the times, the times. No, no, no. This was a thing. Like you would move into a neighborhood. Like I can remember uh, looking like, Hey, is it, like when we were looking, I can remember my parents like, Oh, there's no cable here. There's cable in this neighborhood. Like, <laughs> so like but like that was what it was man yeah <laughs> like but that's that's unheard of now right Wait, that's unheard I, of i need wi-fi i want to watch tiktok right yeah no like different world yeah different world so yeah um that was the wow. town and yeah. um as as bad as that was it, it has made me into this individual that i have uh uh started to become now i don't like to say ever become yeah. You know, because we're always just on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to definitely kind of flesh this out, mm -hmm. but yeah. just to sort of skip ahead and ask a question. Um, I've seen a lot of people, especially pro athletes who like have that kind of really challenging beginning to their life. Mm -hmm. The sport is like both a good and potentially bad thing. It's good because it's a healthy distraction and a way to have better identity. But then you see the retirement and then it's like that you're smiling so I can tell. So like Ricky Williams is a good example, right? Abused, tough childhood, finds football, but then with no football, super depressed, marijuana addiction. So did you have kind of that like up and down okay. when you left MMA? So let, let's, can we go back to the beginning? Because the beginning, sure. like there, there, there is a flow to this that, that, that I literally just realized like two years ago. Yeah. So, uh, so, like I said, no friends. And when I say no friends in school, no friends. Like what? Like you went to high school, right? Mm -hmm. What were the best times in high school? Walking through the halls, lunch, stuff like that, right? Like you hang out with your homies. Yeah. Those were the worst times for me. I walked alone and I sat alone. You know, like the, I didn't even sit with the dorks because I wasn't, it just didn't work, you know? Yeah. So um, class was actually okay. If somebody had to sit next to me, you got assigned a seat. Right. Like, so, um, but in the summer in between my sophomore, I'm excuse me, my uh, junior and senior year, uh, the guys that I was doing karate with learned this stuff called Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So this is summer of 97. Okay. So very early on for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in America. And they show it to me. Okay. They show me a little bit. Uh, actually, what happened was I talked some shit to one of the guys and I said he was scared. He dodged my division at a tournament and he's like, yeah, you think I'm scared? Why don't you come to my house on Friday night? And I go to his house. I had no clue what he was. I thought we were going to spar fight, like, you know, all karate stuff. Yeah. He beat the brakes off me. He beat the brakes off me. And I was like, what is Brazilian this? Jiu -Jitsu. He knew Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. You know, and I was like, what is this? You know, mm -hmm. um, so I have to learn it. So I learned a little bit that summer. 
I go back to school. I'm talking about it a little bit as a senior and these, these wrestlers, you know, cause it's very similar. They challenge me. They like challenge me. They're like, Hey, yeah, that shit don't work. You know, cause they didn't know what it was either. And then, so we do this like challenge grappling match and I beat them and they were state champs. They were very popular, you know? So right there in that moment, people start liking me. Uh, a girl kissed me, I think within the next month. And that was mm-hmm. the first time that happened other than like a relative, uh, <laughs> right? So I'm like, oh my God. So I immediately tie my survival and safety in the world. Cause you have to remember the mindset that I have is from this Jewish uh, black civil rights upbringing that you are not safe. Right. And then this starts to come true in my life with the spray painting and the no friends and all of this, you know? So, so I make this internal connection like, Oh, okay. So immediately, as soon as I start having friends, I go, I'm going to fight in the UFC. Wow. It's just everything becomes about that. Wow. It's so interesting how many people have these stories where it's like, they obviously are very driven, hungry and have natural talent, but like, they attach their deepest desires for approval, safety, survival to this thing. And then they become mm-hmm. world-class at it. So then what happens if I lose a fight though? You tell me. What I'm, not, I'm not safe in the world. Right. People won't like me. I have to win. If I don't win, f- fuck money, right? Like fuck money and fame and all of that, right? That, that, that's secondary, okay? The first thing that all of us want to be is safe and secure in the world, okay? I have this attached to winning a fight. So yeah. I didn't fight very well because I was so afraid. So right? afraid I was so afraid to losing. lose. Yeah, because yeah. if I lost, like I didn't need to win big. I just needed to barely win. And if I could barely win and not lose, then this is where my mentality went. Some people go into kill mode. I didn't go into kill mode. I went into fight as kill, safe as you, possible. Yeah, mode. you have to be willing to open yourself up. You have to be willing to die. Yeah. Right. Wow. And I wasn't willing to die because then that would mean literal death for me. Got it. So, so this Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that was when you were in high school? I, uh, yeah, my last year of high school. Oh, just wow. dabbled, though. Just dabbled. Like, I just learned enough to, like, beat people that didn't know anything. Wow. So I you, didn't get good. Okay. So then, and then did I, you so I moved to college. Go to college, yeah. Right? Where I go, go to college in Colorado, and uh, I'm walking through a mall, and I meet this guy named Amal, and he becomes my Brazilian jiu-jitsu teacher. How did you um, guys meet? literally walking through a mall he had like a booth at a mall uh, and said something about fighting or something yeah and i met him and i talked to him and so i trained with him for a month i ran out of money i got my first girlfriend actually or maybe my second i don't know my first real one so i kind of stopped and then my sophomore year i heard that he opened his own school because at the time he was just teaching out of this little karate school when i was a freshman uh, my girl broke up with me so i was like oh man okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go see what's up so I go see what's up. I still have no money. I ask if I can trade tuition for cleaning. And he goes, homie, it's your lucky day. You literally, my cleaner just quit two hours ago. So I started cleaning the school, you know, and that's how I, you know, traded my tuition. And um, now I'm the co-owner of seven locations. So yeah, no, literally, you know, so you can, uh, I went from cleaner to owner. Wow. Um Magic Johnson tells an emotional story about that, where he was like the janitor in this building that mm-hmm. he now owns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, we don't own the building. Like we don't own that building. Sure. You know, I, I own the, I own three of the buildings that the schools are in. Mm-hmm. Um, not those particular ones, but yeah. And look, I'm still the janitor. Sometimes I got to clean the school. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you went to Colorado, first mm-hmm. of all, was that hard? Like, cause that's kind of far away from New Jersey. Did you Dude, remember? I hated Jersey. Okay, so you were just, let me get out of here. Let me get out of here. This was yeah. the number one thing I wanted in my life is because nobody knew who I was. I still didn't have a lot of friends, right? When I was in New Jersey mm-hmm. and I got to have this fresh start. And that was what my mindset was. I get, no one knows who I am, right? I like, I get to like make a new Ellie. And I did. Did you have a better experience in college? with? Oh, I love friends? it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it here, you know? Uh, only because of the network that I have only because of, I, I made my niche. I did exactly what, uh, I got, l- hold on. Uh, I got lucky enough to do exactly what I said I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, and luck plays a massive part in my entire life. Yeah. So it's amazing. So you, so were you kind of like before, when in college did you meet Amal? Freshman year. Okay, so you meet him kind of right when you get down there, mm-hmm. and then you just start training and learning from him. I train a little bit, and then, like I said, I ran out of money. 
you know, because right. he was teaching out of a karate school. Ran out of money and really, uh, I got a girl, like a real girlfriend for the first time. Like mm-hmm. I'd never gotten laid before. So, you know, this, you know, that can, <laughs> it, it mesmerizes you, right? <laughs> so I stopped and uh, then my sophomore year, like I said, that's when I went back and asked him if I could trade clean first. So you, and that's when, is that when you feel like you really learned how to fight? Kind yeah, of like she fight. broke up with me, right? So I was like, so I'm not getting laid anymore. So I have all this time on my... <laughs> <laughs> good, good job. Yeah, she did. <laughs> you know, I should probably call her and thank her. Thank you for breaking up with me. It changed my life. Changed my life. Yeah. Changed my life. Who knew, I don't know what would have happened, you know? Yeah. And then I got really good at jujitsu. I like, I got really good at jujitsu. I mean, fuck school was, was how I, you know, I, I did enough to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was really mad the whole time. Uh, yeah. I, I can remember one semester. Uh, I was the first year that I won the Pan Americans. Uh, I got a 1.7. Okay. And my mom's like, what the hell are you? Right. Like what is going on? And I'm like, mom, let me ask you a question. I was like, how many people do you know that have a 4.0 GPA? And she's like, a lot. Why? I was like, how many people do you know that have a gold medal that says Pan American champion? I'm the only one. <laughs> That's good. She didn't take it very well. Yeah. She's <laughs> the Jewish one, right? Yeah, my mom's the my, Jewish my, one, right? I, Lawyer, I, doctor, yep. engineer, right? Yeah, yeah, no. I'm Jewish and my parents are both lawyers mm-hmm. and oh, I, I get it. Yeah. So, okay. So you're doing, did you ever think about like, um, anything like at your college, like being on like the wrestling team or anything like that? There was none. And I didn't wrestle. Right. Okay. You didn't wrestle. I didn't know how I, my wrestling sucked. My jujitsu was good. The rule sets are totally different, right? Jujitsu, you can lay on your back and fight off your back. Right. Uh, wrestling. If you put your back on the mat, you lose. You lose. Yeah. Pulled. My wrestling still to this day is terrible. Trash. Got it. Yeah. So how did you go from jujitsu and the training to making this professional? Yeah. So, uh, I meet my wife, uh, my, I don't know, the summer after my junior year of college, you know, we meet, um, and you know, we're dating and, you know, we get married and I'm training, training, competing all over the world, doing well at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but it doesn't have any, there's no money in it. There's no money at the time in competing in Jiu Jitsu. So, you know, at the time I'm supplement, I'm working at a bar, you know, I had graduated from college. So I have this college degree. Uh, I'm working at a bar so that I could train and get better. I always said that I wanted to fight in the UFC. Remember from ever since I, you know, I beat those two kids in wrestling in in that grappling match in high school. So my wife, uh, I don't know, after training one night or something, I'm taking a shower. She goes, Hey, so, uh, this, this is really cool and all, but there's no forward progression with this. So let's either fight or get a job and, uh, getting a job just sounded terrible to me. Like, (laughs) like, uh, you know, so I was like, okay, cool. So I called the promoter the next day and got a fight. Wow, just like that. Just like that. Who was the promoter? It was a local. His name was Sven Bean. It's a little local promotion in the Ring of Fire. So I fight. Uh, I fight again. Uh, I become. Well, the well Ring tell of... me about your first. This is your first fight, right? My Dude. first fight. Yeah. Man, the first fight is bad. What's really What's really bad is the second fight, because uh, you've never been so scared in your life as you were in your first fight, and then. You, when you sign up for your second fight, you got to go do this again. (laughs) And it's different. People can't grasp this. Like we've all, most of us have been in a fight before, but when you're in a fight, it just happens, right? Like you just fuck you, fuck you fight. You know, there's no time. Like when you train for a fight, you have six to eight weeks to sit there. Like, and think about this guy who's on this other side and I'm looking at you right now. And like, when I'm ready to fight you, it's like, God damn, his arms are big. Oh my God. Like he's got that big Jewish nose. I bet you that thinking like, what if he hits me with the eggs? Like you just go through all of their traits that are not, that might not be there. It becomes this imaginary thing in your head. Yeah. And it's just not true, but your brain makes it true because you get so scared. Mm -hmm. You're so afraid. It's, It's literally survival. Mm-hmm. And that's all you think about. So um, the first fight, the first fight, I smashed the dude, you know, just smash him. You knocked him out? Uh, no, I don't know. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, remember? I, oh, I, right, I, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, no, I think I TKO'd him. Yeah, 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 I TKO'd him. You're right. I think it was a knockout. But, but on the ground, mounting and punching him. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So uh, the second fight, uh very similar thing, you know, and it just kept going, you know, uh, 
until I lo- and I become the champion of that organization uh, called the Ring of Fire, and then I lose my next fight, uh, and I lose the title, and it was the first time that I ever had an experience of my mind working against me. Um, I walk out for the fight, and I always like to see my wife, you know, like in the stands, because she's always close. Mm-hmm. And I look over, and but I know exactly where she's supposed to be sitting. And I just see an empty seat. And I'm like, how the fuck is she missing this on the goddamn main event? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and it's me. It doesn't like, how, how are you missing this? Like, you, like you couldn't have not have timed this wrong, you know? Yeah. So like, where, where did you go? And uh, she was going like this, like, what do you want? And I'm like staring and I cannot see her. Literally can't she, see. Was she there? Or she was right there. She was. Oh, she was. She was in her seat, going, "What do you want?" You know, like, "What do you want?" Why couldn't you see her? I don't know. My mind was not okay. Oh. I just look fighting. I just thought I was gonna, you know, uh, until you lose, you're just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna walk out there. I'm gonna smash everybody. I'm gonna go home, have a good time." Afterwards, and then all of a sudden, this fear came of like, "Oh my God, hold on." what is this? What's going on right now? Why can't I shake this? And then I got my ass kicked. Wow. Mm-hmm. What do you think it was? Like, mm, I'm, I was a very mentally weak individual as I was fighting my whole yeah. career. Very, very mentally weak. Cause that pressure builds the first, you know, that pressure builds, you start winning, you have a belt. Now you really can't lose, you know, not only are you going to lose your belt, but they're going to write about it. Like when you, when you, uh, when you lose a fight, your first fight, you're on the, you're on the lower end of the card, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody's barely even watching, like you and your five friends, you know. You know, but that's it. When you become the main event and you're selling out an arena, everyone's watching. Like, and they're gonna now now your dream of getting in the UFC, which is the dream, you know, it's right there in front of you. If you lose this, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're it's over for you. <clears throat> so this pressure builds. Yeah. It's interesting how much of this I didn't realize is such a mental sport and mental game. Oh, it's all mental. It has nothing to do with actual, it has nothing to do with the other person. Zero. They're, yeah. they're just, they're just a vehicle to help you conquer. Wow. Yourself. Did Amal or did you have other coaches or people kind of yeah, like, yeah, you had to, yeah. you had to, I, I, I was with Greg Jackson and Dwayne Ludwig and I had, I had amazing coaches, you know, so two of the, you know, two guys that have won coach of the year multiple times, you know, with the sport. Um, but the sport was still very young, right? We didn't know what we were doing. We sparred every day. We fought hard every day, you know? So I probably got punched in the head five times a week. Mm. So now they're more careful. With yeah. We're practice. much smarter with our training. You know, I still train fighters, so we're right. much smarter with it. Yeah, that makes sense. So how many fights did you um, fight before kind of stepping into the UFC? Six. Okay. Which means you suck. <laughs> yeah. well, well, you suck. You suck at yeah. fighting, right? Because usually you would win a few and then just jump right in. Well, look at amateur boxing. How many fights did Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather, <clears throat> excuse me, Floyd Mayweather have before he turned professional? One? No, 300. Oh. He had 300 amateur fights. Really? He won a gold medal in the Olympics, man. That's amateur yeah. boxing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Muhammad Ali, 300 fights. You get used to the fear of walking outside. You get to know who you are as a fighter. This is who I am. This is what I do when I go out there. I had none of it. You know, you, your first fights, you, like their first 100 fights in amateurs, you fight tomato cans. Absolute tomato cans. And you get practice. and You, you get practice. Yeah, you get practice at fighting. Uh, like I said, it's the scariest thing you'll ever do. Yeah. Or My friend once jumped out of a plane. He went skydiving. Yeah. You know, to see if he, right after a fight, he scheduled it the next week. I was like, what are you doing that for? He's like, I want to see if something makes me more scared. And what happened? He's fucking fine. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> Fighting's worse. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. So you did six fights. What was your mm-hmm. biggest takeaway from those six fights before UFC? I'm the man <laughs> until I'm not <laughs> build confidence, build confidence and then watch it get destroyed. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then I got on the ultimate fighter. And then after that sixth fight, I got on the ultimate fighter, the reality show. Right. What was that like? 
it was the worst six weeks, some of the worst six weeks, other than this battle that I have in 2016, uh, again, with myself, it was the worst six weeks of my life. Why? It's terrible. You get locked in what you get locked away in the house. You have no communication with the outside world. No, 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 nothing, no music, no books, no, nothing, nothing. You're in a house. Wow. It's so awful. Now, look, it's not awful if you live in your mom's basement, which a lot of fighters did, right? Like you have no money, you live in your mom's basement and like you can, you eat ramen every day. So on the ultimate fighter, you live in a sick house. It's a sick house in Las Vegas. Okay. Mm. Um, they bring you whatever food you want. So that's cool. Good for you. You know? So if your situation is shitty, really shitty, then the ultimate fighter is great. Cause all you do is hang out with a couple of homies anyway and train. And now you have food to go along with it in a really comfortable, in a comfortable bed. Uh, for me, that wasn't my situation. I was married. I owned my own house. I was working at this bar, right? I was a bartender now. So I was making decent money. Mm -hmm. uh, if I wanted a filet mignon dinner, I would go buy myself a filet mignon and cook it. I don't need you to buy it, right? My wife was a nurse. So uh, yeah, like, so being locked away and having everything taken from you sucked. How did they find you for uh, ultimate? You try fight? out. You try, you try out. You, you know it's coming and you try out. Yeah. Yeah. And then so like, you know, probably 5,000 people try out and uh, yeah. How many did they pick? They picked 16. Wow. That's pretty mm -hmm. big uh, accomplishment to just even get chosen. Like that's that. just interviewing. Mm -mm. Yeah. That was just interviewing. So just uh, personality. Personality. Yeah. So I walked into the interviewers, <laughs> you know, and they had this. So we're, they bring us out to Vegas, you know, for yeah. the interview. You got to remember, this isn't like a very professional. You're, you're interviewing for a reality TV show where you're going to beat each other up. Yeah. Okay. So you can't be like, hello, sir. Nice to meet you. Um, these are my credentials. You know, uh, I walk into the, the room where they're interviewing and they have this delicious food spread. I was like, damn, look at your guys' spread. <laughs> I was like, thanks. And they were like, we gave you a per diem. I was like, man, you gave me $30. What the fuck is $30 going to get me in Vegas? I was like, I can't even get half a stripper for that. <laughs> so they like that. They like that. That's yeah, what yeah. they want, right? Yeah. Was that you or were you yucking? No, that was yeah. fake. I didn't do any of that on the show. That was fake <laughs> just to get them to pick me. Get them to choose me. <laughs> I didn't do any of that. <laughs> you greedy bastard. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> so, but you were smart enough to know like, all right, I'm going to come in and kind of show a personality mm -hmm. and something that's TV relatable. I should have done it more because that's how you really blow up. You know, like when you were on the show. Yeah. Yeah. You should have, yeah. you should have done it more because that's how you blow up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you know, live and learn. So you, so you get picked. What do you think they really, I mean, they, obviously that's one component, but why do you think they chose you for the show? No clue. If you had a clue. No, I knew, uh, um, who knows? You, you look, it's, it's random, man. It's totally random. They, they, they felt like I'd be a good mix. I was a ring of fire champion. You know, so they have a couple of guys that could win and everyone else is a role player. I was a guy that could win. So they did. I was on the verge anyway, right? Like I was on the verge of getting in the UFC anyway. And they, so, yeah. So there was an element of talent. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, yeah, yeah I was good. Yeah. I was yeah. good. You know? So, uh, uh, and there's actually a crazy story. So I fought the, I fought a guy in my, so he had to fight to get in the house. So they actually picked 32 people. And then the first day, you, the second day, you know, I don't know, second or third day, whatever it was, you have to fight to see if you'll actually make the show. So after the third day, half the people just go home. So everyone has to fight. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you have to make weight, right? I got matched up against the producer's best friend in some way. You know, the head guys, like who he was just like this guy, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I cut weight in my bathtub in my hotel room. That's how I always did it. So I asked for a scale to just be brought to me. And they said, yes, well, they never brought the scale. And if you miss weight, you're out. So I'm cutting weight, right? For a 205 pound fight. So I'm coming down from like 210, 212, you know, mm -hmm. it never came. So I just had to keep cutting. So I have no clue where my weight is. When I stepped on the scale, I was 196 pounds. Oh my God. So I cut 10 extra pounds. Because you were just like, I want to play it safe if I can't step How do you? Because you don't know. It, it feels terrible. You, if cutting weight feels terrible 20 minutes in. Right. 
So what does that mean being in a bathtub? Like you're dehydrated? So you, you, yeah, you suck the, you suck the water out. So you go in the bathtub, you get out, you wrap yourself in blankets. So you keep sweating, right? All you're doing is sucking the water out of your body. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So the fight was the next day. The fight's the next day. So I'm 10 pounds light, right? (laughs) 10 pounds. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the fight happens. Right. And now you got to remember, it's not a sanctioned fight because it's not airing live. It's yeah. sanctioned, but like they can do what they want, kind of. Right. I beat the fucking brakes off this dude. Oh. I beat the brakes off this dude, but I didn't just have enough. I didn't have enough to finish him because I was so tired and fatigued from the weight cut. Right. Right. Like I'm 10, 10 pounds is a lot of weight, man. Yeah. Uh, so I beat the brakes off him. At the end, the judges raised his hand and I'm like, did they get this wrong? Like he's a bloody mess. Like his face, his nose is rearranged. His arm is broken, right? He's a bloody fucking mess. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Huh? The producer just said, nope, my guy's going in. Even though you obviously won. It was so obvious. Wow. But he couldn't continue. Rigged the system. Yeah, yeah. But he couldn't continue. So I got in. Oh, oh, because so they were like his arms won. broken. Oh. Yeah, so I they're like getting ready to send me I was home. Say, I know you were on the show and you yeah, had, yeah, they're right, getting so ready right. to send me home, right? <laughs> but like they're but he comes back from the hospital fucked up. Oh, so you had to wait. So you thought you were going home? I thought I was going home. You must have been like this. Is... I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, you must, yeah. You know. So how long was that? Like a day? A couple, a couple hours. hours? No, a couple hours. hours. He went to the hospital, his face is rearranged, his orbital is broken, his nose is broken, and his arm is broken. Like, you don't lose that fight, man, unless he finishes you somehow, right? Unless he knocks you out or catches a submission, right? Like, which he didn't. So it went, yeah. you know? So, like, how you can't lose that fight. Maybe right. maybe it was a draw because you did all of that in the last round. Right. You know, and he won the first two rounds, but you didn't lose, did. man. Yeah, you did. didn't lose. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, First of all, just random question. Has anyone ever like not known who you were and like tried to fight you for like parking space or like something stupid? Has that ever happened after your career or during? I I try to walk away from that kind of stuff, man. I was going to say like, that'd be crazy if someone tried to fight you. It happens to people. Yeah. You know, but most of us walk away. Yeah. You know, you almost have to. It's like not, it's like not fair, you know? No, man, you don't have to. It's not that it's not fair. It's just that I know how bad fights can go. Right. And I don't want to, I don't want to take that risk with my life. Fights can right. go you, really. You can, you can kill someone by mistake. No, 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 no. They could kill me. Fights can go really bad, man. You can slip. The other guy can get lucky. Mm-hmm. Things can happen. I know the consequences of fighting and they're high. Right. So over a parking spot or look, it just happened. A Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion two weeks ago, eight time world champion. He was in a nightclub and this guy walked up and took a bottle off of his table, like a vodka, whatever. Uh, alcohol, yeah. So the, the, the guy who was a champion walked back, grabbed the bottle, took the guy down and was like, man, what'd you do that for? You know? And he's like, are we good? He didn't beat him up or anything. He just like pinned him, you know? And everyone was like, yeah, we're good. We're good. The first guy got his gun, walked over. He was an off-duty cop and shot the guy in the head, shot the champion in the head. <sighs> Killed him. And now he's dead. Over yeah. a bottle of vodka, over a bottle of vodka and some eco. And that's the thing too, is like, it doesn't, it's not even necessarily like, oh, I'm a UFC fighter. People can pull out a weapon. You can slip, man. You can slip. You can make a mistake. He can have a friend. You could be getting set up. It's so, it's the street. The street is ruthless, you know? Yeah. So why bother? If Now look, if you break in my house, and I have to defend myself. We're right. talking about a different story. Right. If you call my wife a dumb whore, we'll just walk away. Mm. You know, because that's yeah. not worth it. That's just yeah. my ego. And I, I know she's not, right? Yeah. So that's just my ego screaming. Yeah. No, that's good. Good answer. So uh, <laughs> go back to the house. Yeah. So, so what, how, how do you feel when you get that call that they're like, all right, you know, the guy can't. Now we're all just sitting there and Dana White's calling everybody up, you know? That that's on the show. And then he goes, ah, you know, well, we all knew this one was coming. Karin couldn't make it because of this. So figured the only person to bring back is the person that did that to him. So come on, Elliot. <laughs> What'd you say? I was like, yeah, thank you. 
<laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the reason why he can't. Yeah, that's what Damon said. He's like, you know, so there you go. Yeah, okay. so I'm in the house, and now it's yeah. terrible. You don't like it, but didn't you win a big first? No, game? yeah. So I won. I got to the semifinals. I lost to the eventual champion. I was the only one that he didn't knock out. Uh, mm-hmm. I fought on the finale. Yep. Uh, I won my fight on the finale. So now I'm in the UFC. Got it. So that I went, you consider that show experience kind of your break into the UFC. Yeah, yeah, that's the break. That that's you know that's how you get in. You know, yeah. And I, and I got in. Uh, I fight terribly my whole career, just about up until my last fight, um, and then uh, I get released. You know, I'm I'm released from the UFC, and uh, <clears throat> you know, in in that last the last fight is a very poignant moment though. The last fight was very important for my life, I would say. Um, because I was so scared before that fight. It's the most scared I've ever been before a fight. I'm crying, uh, in the hotel room and I, and I wasn't, excuse me, I wasn't going to go fight. Um, and my wife looks at me and goes, Elliot, look, you're here. You, you have done all the work, right? If you step into the cage, you're going to get 30 grand. So just go in there, get hit with the first punch, fall down, and then we can leave, but at least get the money. <laughs> you know so uh that's what got me to go fight provide and for your family thought, and then no no just the money yeah provide oh i thought yeah provide i thought you said pride no, yeah no. the money 30 grand you know yeah. so uh yeah i get hit with the first punch but i'm like fuck it i'm already here let's fight yeah you so, split decision right went to the end yeah so i i uh i after the second round i can remember uh, my coach, Greg Jackson, sitting in front of me. Uh, he's sitting a little off to my left and he looks at me and he goes, Fire Marshal, what do you have left? He's like, Can you go out there? And like, literally, I remember it like yesterday. He was like, Can you go give me everything? You know? And uh, I go out and I beat the dude up real bad and uh, I lose the decision. But, I, you know, uh, again, one of, this is like, you know, the story of my career. Like, if you go watch that round, I, I don't know how I dropped him twice. I broke his arm at the end. He didn't fight for 11 months because of all the surgeries he had to have to fix himself wow. after the fight. Wow. But they said I lost, you know? So uh, it's very interesting. My UFC, my, the beginning of my career and the end of my career both started very similarly. Right. So, um, but, so but what I, a better way to end than like yeah. go take the hit and roll over, you know? Yeah. And this is the luck of my life. Most people fighting, most fighters, it's so hard to get away from because most fighters lose their last fight. Mm-hmm. So, you're like, when you lose that fight, you're like, I can't go out like this. So then you fight again, right? And then the worst thing that can happen is you win that fight. Because when you I win a fight, you're on again. cloud nine. You're like, ah, I can keep doing this, yeah. right? And then you lose at some point and you go, oh, I can't go out like this. Next thing you know, you're 30 something, 40 something years old. You're fighting for, you know, in the local bar down the street, like for peanuts because your ego can't handle it. Obviously, the penis part doesn't resonate, but for when I think about Tom Brady, right? It's like he wins this Super Bowl at 43 or however he was, and then last year he loses, and now he's like, you know, supposed to play this year, but on like a break for a week. You know, it just reminds me of that. Look, Tom Brady, yeah, hold on. Let's be clear. If Dana calls me right now and is like, yo, I got 25 million for you. (laughs) Dana White, if you're listening. I'm probably doing it, but he ain't calling. Because I've never won anything really before, right? Tom Brady's the winningest football player of all of time. Of course. But, like, you see this even with these guys, like Brett Favre, and it's like they have a hard time hanging it up, especially when you have that big win right by Because the your identity is so wrapped up in this thing that you've done. Who you are is connected to what you do. And for men especially, we struggle with this. We struggle, we struggle, we struggle. And this was my struggle as well. This is where 2016 came, you know? Let's talk about, let's move in right into that. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you, you're done with the UFC. You had this experience. Yeah. What happens you, when you kind of hang it up? So, look, two days or three days after that last fight, I went and looked at the building that the Denver school, my Denver, our Denver school is now in. And I purchased that building a couple months later. And I go on this entrepreneurial, I go on this, I don't like to say entrepreneurial thing. That's not true. I go on this business ownership thing. Uh, I believe people throw that word entrepreneur out all the time when really they're just business owners. You just own a fucking business, man, mm-hmm. right? Entrepreneurs, this business and that business and all like that's entrepreneur. Yep. Entrepreneur is not like, uh, you know, even if you have 10 car washes, 
You're not an entrepreneur. You're a businessman. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, so I go on this, this, you know, this, this journey of building these schools and we do it, it works out, but I've never dealt with this demon. I've never dealt with this demon that, that I had from childhood, that I am not enough, that Elliot is not enough. He's not safe. And Hitler's going to come again. And, and all of this stuff, right. That I was taught as a child that I've been running from and running from, and I hit it with fighting. You know, I've never, never, never dealt with him. Like he would like this demon would come and then he would go away and I'd be like, oh, okay, it's gone. Thank God. But I never sat in the pits of hell with him. And in 2016, I had to sit in the pits of hell. Um, and, and that's what sucked. It sucked. You know, it was nine months of not sleeping and crying and, and this m massive amount of anxiety where you can't like my wife would make plans for, you know, it'd be a Tuesday night and she'd be like, Hey, we're going to go out with so-and-so on Friday. And I couldn't fathom why she was doing that to me because I didn't know how I was going to make it until Friday. Right. And not that I was going to kill myself. Right. That, that was not, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, yo, I'm going to end my life. It was, how am I going? I don't, I, I'm just trying to get through this second, babe. Why the fuck are you making plans for three days later? And we do that all the time, right? Like, how do you not make plans for three days later? Right. So how, how did you navigate that and get to where you're at today? I navigated it with some great friends. This is so some more luck. Um, I was at my wits end on a Friday night. And one of my best friends is a doctor and my doctor. And I called him. And I say the luck of this because very few people can call their doctor at 530 on Friday night and have them answer the phone, let alone prescribe the medicine that's going to help them. You know, uh, I got therapy and I had a group of couple of friends and uh, they would stay up all night with me if that's what was necessary. I would take these sleeping pills. They wouldn't work. I would, you know, because I wanted them to work in five minutes, right? Which no medicine does, right? Uh I want to, you know, unless you do it intravenously, which no one's, no one's prescribing that. So, yep. um, uh, it wouldn't work. I would run to my basement, having a massive panic attack. I would call my friends, one of these three guys, and they would stay up with me all night long. If that was what was necessary. Wow. And this just went on, that went on for a month. And then I started to get some intermittent sleep in there. Um, and what I figured out, I guess was, uh, I am on this journey, I would say, of uh, exactly what you said at the end of I've discovered my passion. I know what my passion is. I know what my power is. And now I just go give my purpose to the world, you know, yeah. and that that has been the, the consistent journey since uh, about 2018 when uh, when this all started to uh, subside a little bit for me. Well, it's cool because when you figure out kind of who you are deep down. UFC aside for me is Wall Street aside. You also kind of get in touch with your true purpose of how you can serve and help people and what your real career long term looks like. Man, I think it's a very important thing. Uh, and this is, you know, some one of the things that I really try to help other people with uh, and, and companies and, and all of that is who are you? Like when, when you say I am Elliot, what does that mean? You know, and, and I put some definitions on that you know, of, of, I know exactly who I am. And I, I split them up into like altruism and narcissism. Uh, I'm a father, I am a husband, and I am a teacher. Those things are altruism for the world, right? I balance them out with, I am a student, I am a fighter, and I'm a survivor. And those things are for me. And uh, uh, one of them is always showing up, always. Very rarely, very, very rarely does fighter have to show up. He doesn't need to come to the forefront anymore. This fighter, Elliot, you know, I don't do that. Sometimes he does, you know, sometimes he does, but not often. Okay. Who shows up the most father who shows up the most teacher who shows up the most student and husband, right? Like that's who really shows up. Survivor shows up a lot, right? I have to do it. I have to, I have to wake up in the morning, take a deep breath and know like, yo, Elliot, you got to go fight for this. You know, you have, you have to go. Do something you I and, and get to it because uh, that's how I stay healthy in my mind. Uh, and it allows me to do my favorite thing. And I love to chase greatness, whether we get there or not unconcerned, you know, totally unconcerned. That's good. Let's kind of start to wrap it up here a little bit. Like mm -hmm. 
other people obviously out there, including the listeners of this yeah. show, I'm sure some of them have those experiences with like that pain or that lack of sleep. Like uh, you mentioned the friendships, obviously in therapy a little bit, but what would you really kind of encourage them to do if they want to have some of the freedom that you've been able to experience kind of moving out of that season yeah. to where you're at today? So I, I mean, so I actually have something where I, I help people with this, you know, or, or it doesn't even have to be with this. A anybody can, it, it, anybody can do it. Look, what do you need as a human being? What are your needs? You know, this is a great question. After you know who you are, what are your needs and what are your value? What are your values? You know, what are your core values as a human? Okay. And we can do the same thing with companies. I do the same exact thing with companies. What does the company need? What is the company's core values? People, humans, same. Okay. And now, and let's understand what a core value is. A core value is something that you will lose friends and money over. Okay. A need. Okay. A need is like water. You need water. Okay. A need is on that level. What are, what are your needs? Ellie, I need physical touch. I need connection and I need to chase greatness. This is what I need. Okay. And I fulfill that by being a father, a husband, a teacher, a student. Makes sense. So, um, and now there's this thing called your seven areas of life, physical, mental, social, spiritual, financial, vocational. And what am I missing? I don't know. One more relational, maybe uh, familial. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So those are the seven areas of life. What would you love to be in these seven areas? What would you love to be? Okay. And now we got to add altruism and narcissism to that. What are you going to have to do? What are you going to have to go give to the world? And then what are you going to have? And a lot of times people like to go, Oh, I'm all altruistic, homie. No, you're not. Don't fucking lie. Don't lie. You have to be getting something out of it because when you're not getting something out of it, you're going to miss you. It's going to, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. So stop saying we're all altruistic. You're not altruistic completely. It's balanced with some damn narcissism. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. It's really okay. It's got a balance. Now, after that, you come up with this, who you are thing. And then you just work backwards. What do I want my life to look like in five years? Right? I combine all that stuff that we just did, my values, my needs, and my areas of life. And I go, okay, this is who I am. Okay, and this takes time, right? This, this, this takes real work. You have to wake up every day and do this work. Okay, and then you're like, okay, all right. What do I want my life to look like in five to 10 years? I know exactly what I want my life to look like. Okay, what am I gonna have to have accomplished in three years? What am I gonna have to have accomplished in one year? Okay, and you write all of this down. What am I going to have to accomplish? So you have 10 things that you're going to have to accomplish in one year. And now you just tackle them three months at a time. You take three things. All right, do this. All the way down to today. What am I going to do today? What am I going to do today so that I get to my three months? What am I going to do today? Well, then what am I going to do so that that gets me to my one year? That will get you to my three years. That will get me to my five years. And then my shit's golden and I just do it again. Dude, that's really good. I'm like, man, I need a coach now because <laughs> I have this coaching <laughs> right now, which is great, you know, sales, grow my coaching practice. Right. Um, and I obviously have my own sort of life routines, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, last time I had a life coach was last year and she was incredible. She, she helped me pull the trigger on stuff that I had been hesitating on for years. Nice. Yeah. So look, bad. I don't like to say life coach because the only life right. that I'm trying to figure out is mine. Sure. Right. Like, yeah. so, but I, but there is a blueprint and that's why I call this thing, the blueprint, blueprint. right? Because yep. the, because people have, because like, okay, what your room looks like and my room looks like is different. Look, you have a window to your right. I have a wall to my right. Uh, I have a bookshelf over there and so do you, but that bookshelf is, and we have walls, but they're built very similarly. Right. Now, what color we paint them and where we put a right that that's for us to decide. But the blueprint for a house is very similar. How you build a wall, how you build a foundation, how you put a roof on that's similar for everyone, for every house, for every structure. Mm -hmm. Right. What changes is the particulars. So go do whatever you want with your life. You want to be look, you want to be a trash man. I don't give a rat's ass, but be the best trash man possible. I'm helping a girl right now, right? She does my laundry. Uh, she comes in my house and she does all the laundry. And I'm like, yo, girl, you're not going to do my laundry for the rest of your life. You know, I, I don't want you to. So now we're, now we're building, a, I'm helping her build a laundry business, right? Like an in-home laundry business. And I paid for her computer and, and I'm going to pay for it, you know, and, but we're going to go, but we're going to, right? But it's a blueprint, right? You know, 
you know, we're going to follow a blueprint of how to build a business. You do the same thing with your business. That's what we did with our businesses. We came up with values. We came up with purpose. So what are your values? What are your, what's your purpose? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Now we're going to go give that away. How, who are you going to give it away to? Okay. That's marketing. And then vision, where the fuck are we going? You know, and this is businesses. This is a lot of people's big problems. You have this vision in your head, but you don't say it in a way, you know, to, to your employees so that your employees end up working for you. And I don't want to work for anybody. No one wants to work for anybody. I want to work with you. So if I can, if people can work with you on this big, greater common vision, now we're fucking talking and I'm getting a little hyped because I get real passionate. Yeah, I was going to say, man, we got to do uh, we could do a whole part two or another hour just on this. Um, yeah. But for people um, who want to know more information about the blueprint or your website or podcast, how can they find out? L8Marshall.com. E-L-I-O-T-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L.com. Everything's there. Uh, the podcast is there. Uh, my social media has a lot. So Instagram, I'm trying to do this TikTok thing too, but you know, it's hard, uh, you know? <laughs> uh, so Dana White, I thought he has some pointers. Maybe. Yeah. He's got some pointers. It's called Conor McGregor uh, <laughs> and billions of dollars, man, <laughs> and billions of dollars. Uh, so, uh, that's good. And do you, you do retreats too? Yeah. I have a retreat coming in December, you know? So I do two styles of retreats. One is a more jujitsu one, right? So if you do jujitsu already, uh, it's, uh, you come to Maui, we do an amazing go. You, it's all on my website, but with, it's December 18th through the 22nd. And I also just launched an executive team leadership retreat where you and your executive team, you come out again, it's to Maui and we're going to do jujitsu, but you don't have to be good at it. And what, or even know it, what we're going to do is we're going to take the principles that we learn on the mat. Okay. Cause I believe these mat principles, these like jujitsu principles can be that that is the foundation and the building blocks for life as well. Right? Like, okay, what do I learn on the mat? The number one thing you learn is how to be present. Yeah. Okay. So can you take presence and then what can you do? Can you do the next smallest thing correctly? And that's where businesses really start to fuck up, right? Is you have this big vision, but like you, you don't know what the next little step is because that's what really gets us to become, you know, overnight successes is all the little steps you took along the way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, December, go to my website, elliotmarshall.com. I'm trying to sell out the executive retreat. The personal one is almost sold out. So there's a couple spots left. All right. You heard him guys. Elliotmarshall.com with one T that's my alarm. and one L and two L's in Marshall, one L two L's in Marshall. Um, <laughs> we'll have it all the show notes for you too. So don't, don't worry. But um, Elliot, man, it's been so great getting to know you over the last few weeks. Thank you again so much for coming on the show, my friend. I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, yeah. And this is my favorite thing to do is talk about how we, uh, is to teach, right? I am a teacher, but I love to teach and spread a message and give my purpose out. That's it, man. Thanks again so much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.